Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. I didn't even see that the, that the like intro video had happened, so I'm always giving people a hard time for not paying attention to like being up there on time. So that happens. Um, all right. Good morning, everybody. My name's Ryan. Um, I just met somebody who this is their first time in our community, so I can't take for granted the fact that people know who I am or that anyone knows anything about our church. So um, my name's Ryan. I'm the teaching pastor here. Today we are in we are taking a break from a series that we are in about the parables, and we're talking about the day of Pentecost. Um, growing up, I, I grew up in a church, and I'm not sure how wide this experience was, but the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit was a term that was used to just kind of wash over anything that was weird about church. It was just like, oh, that's weird, uh, the, the Spirit, that's the Spirit for sure, and um, I, I read a story that I want to start off with. I was going to, I can already tell I'm going to go out of order today, so just hang in there with me. But in the meantime, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts 2. I promise I will get to the Bible after this story. This story is too good. It says, a friend once told me about a Christian music artist uh, he knew who rented a recording studio. After an extensive setup and sound check, she began performing her first song, and the sound tech thought it sounded great. But about halfway through the first verse, she stopped abruptly, threw up her hands, and said, It's no use. Turn it off. He's not here. Him, the Holy Spirit, his presence, it's missing. She called a few friends into the studio, and they commenced to laying their hands on various pieces of equipment, praying for God's presence and dabbing the equipment with oil. After a few minutes, she started to sing again, and about 30 seconds in, she she said again, stop, he's not here, let's pray again. Another 15 minutes walking around the room, anointing, shouting, muttering incantations. Again, she started and stopped, and again it came the prayer posse. But this time the sound tech was starting to get annoyed. His equipment was starting to get greasy, and she began recording the fourth time. He noticed that the reverb on her monitors were turned off. So he reached down and turned it up, at which point she put her hands in the air and said, Hallelujah, there he is. He is here. The sound tech simply did not have the heart to aid her. Um, no, ma'am, that was the reverb. Um, and I know that in so much of my church work, um, we give a lot of credit to the Holy Spirit, um, and we, we use it to kind of paint over things without really thinking about it. Like the Holy Spirit's really present if you've got a really good fog machine and you've got really good lights and really good sound, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit is much more present. And I think that as Christian people called to use our brains, we need to see what does the Scripture call us to understand about the Holy Spirit, and what part does that play in our life? And so let's open up to Acts chapter 2, because today, Pentecost is the birthday of the church. So happy birthday, church. 
Um, this is the day that it all started. This is the day that the Christian church um, had its birth. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all, oh, this is chapter 2, verse 1. They were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the e- 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. And the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood there before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So this is the story of Pentecost And I have a few talking points that I want to get to today. Let's pull up the next slide. Um, These are the the points that I want to talk about sort of in order. And uh, I'm going to kind of go through them quickly. Each of these, I think you could do a full exploration on how this shows up in the narrative of the entire uh, Bible and how it shows. I was up in the text today, but homogeneity and hegemony, the prophet office and gift, garden order versus fall order, private faith versus a public faith, and moving to a moving flame. So those are my talking points. I'm going to be going through them quickly because at the end, what I want to do is make room to have some time to do a lectio with all of you um, and a prayer because what often happens even when we're talking about something as pivotal and something that we claim to be one of, of the three of the, the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, there is such a broad um, lack of understanding of what we even mean when we talk about the Holy Spirit in, in the church because it's hard to put shape to something that um, uses a lot of metaphor to talk about. And so, Pentecost um, is, is a, it was also the Feast of Weeks. It was one of these um, cel- 
celebrations that, that would happen where people would travel from a long way to come. And it was originally a feast to commemorate the start of the harvest. And so um, it also came to commemorate when Moses received the Torah from Mount, uh, while on Mount Sinai. And so there was this joyous celebratory moment where um, where they would, they would recognize what makes them distinct, what makes them God's people. It was this receiving of the law, and it was also that the harvest, that God would take care of them. And so we see something that is very unique and something that's interesting happening here, that in this very event at Pentecost, God chose to also commemorate what would make his people distinct and also commemorate the start of a harvest. So we see that God is taking something so familiar to them, as is so common and so in step with the character of God, that he's taking something that people understand, and he's sort of infusing it with new life. He's infusing it with, he's, he's, he's expanding what people understand about this event. And so let's first talk about homogeneity and hegemony. So I had these two words in my head because I, under- I kind of understand the word homogenous. I mean, milk, my wife was like, the first thing I think of is milk. And I was like, yeah, me too. All right. Maybe I could work milk into my sermon. I can't. I wasn't able to. But um, I want to go back because this is, a, this is an event that especially people who would have understood the Old Testament would have had them th- thinking about something that happened very early on in their story. And so we're going to flip all the way back to Genesis 11. Genesis 11 says, Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As men moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar, and that is also um, known as Babel, and settled there. And they said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone, for tar and mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came to see the city and the tower that the men were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language they had begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not be able to understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth, and they stopped building this city. That is why it is called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them from the face of the earth. That was Genesis 11. So we have this event that is ripe in the minds of people that understood their Torah, that the Lord broke down what the, what the human temptation is, is to homogenize everything, make everything the same, make it all look the same, make it all sound the same. God understood that in that, with our, with our broken nature, is that what we will do is we will try to build something up for ourselves that serve ourselves, that everybody will try to do something that actually excludes their need for a God at all. God sees that that is a human ten, that is a temptation of the human heart, and hegemony. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. I've said it a lot of times, so I don't know if I'm not saying it right. I'll be honest, but um, 
that word means leadership or dominance, especially by one country or social group over others. And what we see is as things homogenize, that, that the larger group will tend to also become a dominant and oppressive and because it becomes this, this, this competition for who can have what. Who will get the most attention? Who will get the most resources? And if we treat God as if he is all the, under that same premise that there is a limited amount, we have this exact same thing that pops up in church. When we act as when we act from that scarcity mindset, all of this sudden in order to get yours, to get ours, to get mine, my temptation is to is to kind of soften everyone's edges, make everybody look a little bit more like me, because if as many people look like me as possible, then we can all share in having the same stuff. We can all we can all win. And it becomes this win-loss dynamic, which has become so hurtful. And so what we sense, though, is that creation, even from the start, hints at not this homogenization of everything, but this beautiful invitation in its distinctive nature. That God created these things which, were, which, were, which seemed absolutely opposite. He created the, the heavens and the earth, water and land, and he said, we're going to have a relationship. There's going to be an interconnectivity between all things that I make. And that interconnectivity does not mean that everything starts to look the same. It means that in their distinctive nature, that, that as we draw close, as, as we get closer to each other, the, the way that those distinctive natures play out can be beautiful. And we've seen it happen so often that it can also be really painful. So the movement at Pentecost that we see here, it's very interesting. Can we, uh, actually, I only included a couple um, parts from the text. But if you still have your Bible open, um, you can go back to Acts 2. Because it is interesting here where it says, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that each of us hears in his own native language. At Pentecost, when the Spirit came, what it did not do was, tra- was, was make every language the same. It made every language understandable by the Spirit. And so what ends up happening is we do not see that the way that God addresses this temptation to make everything look the same by making everything the same. He does not go back to Babel. He does not revert everything back to, okay, we're all just going to have one, one language. He said, actually, as we approach the Spirit, as the Spirit indwells in us, everybody's distinctive language, language can be understood. That God is broad enough, large enough, expansive enough that as you bring that thing, that passion, that, that language that you speak to the flame, as you bring it into relationship, the Holy Spirit will act as the translator in that place. So now let's go to, um, so that's the point of hom- homoge- homogeneity and hegemony. Um, I, I'm a pastor, so I like alliteration. I can't get away from it. It like stalks me. It's crazy. Um, Now let's go to um, profit as office and as gift. 
And I want to go to, um, there's a few places where if, if you are a note taker, and not many of you are, um, but if you, if you like to take notes, you can write down Numbers 27, Judges 3, 1 Samuel 10, 1 Samuel 16. There are all these examples, and I want to turn to Numbers. Numbers, we're going to go to chapter 27, verse 18. I'm just going to go quick. Because um, I want to show you what the difference is and what changed at Pentecost. 27, verse 18. Okay, it says here, So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. We have these examples all throughout the Old Testament, and there's a ton of them, where the Spirit was not something that indwelt everybody. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God was something that would come on a person at a moment or in a particular office. The prophets were known as having the Spirit on them, but not everybody had that Spirit. This is something that actually is new about the Christian church, is that the giving of the Holy Spirit to each of us, that the Holy Spirit rests in you, which is what gives us power and authority to do any of the things that we do, which also draws us to Christ himself, that God put his spirit on particular people for a particular time. And so in the Old Testament, we would call that the office of a prophet, that a prophet was a person that um, had this unique, um, this, this anointing of the Holy Spirit to be able to hear and speak the words of God out for his people. Right, we had particular people, and at Pentecost, it said that it that the flint, that the whole room filled with what sounded like a rushing wind, rushing water, and if you just close your eyes and imagine, it says that the whole room was filled with that sound. And I don't know how loud things have to be for somebody to assume that the whole room was filled with that sound, but with the amount of people that were here for this feast. There was a ton of people. There was a lot of noise as it is. But this event where the flames came and then it dropped on everybody, that all of a sudden this spirit that everybody thought was in one location at one time, God said, I want to disperse that to my people. And so in the New Testament, we hear that prophecy becomes a gift, something that you can pursue, something that you can grow in, something that as you understand that the Holy Spirit's authority rests in you and on you, that the words that, that you all, which is why we talk about in this church so often that we need your voice, that's not just posturing. That's saying, no, the, the Holy Spirit is in you. And the amount of times that I've had conversations just in this last week with people who I might not agree with, and I take it and I go, Lord, draw us to, to who you are in this place. Because even when I don't agree, there's one way of seeing that actually pursuing Christ. Because that it does not mean that everything goes. It does not mean that everything is relative. What it means is that you might be hearing something that I need to hear. You might be hearing something that we all need to hear. And it means that as we figure that out, that we are drawn to each other and we can't do it on our own. We can't 
discern what LBCF is meant to do by hiding in our rooms and then throwing our arguments over the fence. Because that's what happens in culture. That's what happens out there all the time. Our culture is so full right now of trying to find the best mic drop argument, the best meme. That's what happens out there. Don't let that be true of what happens in our church. Because nobody in this room can point me to one place where that kind of conversation does anything positive. It always hurts. It always leaves people feeling further apart. It always encourages both sides to stick their feet in, the, in cement even harder because it's, it, there's animosity in that. There's not love there in the spirit that it, it says that we are called to actually judge a tree by its fruit in the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is what? I mean, anybody that's been in church for more than seven seconds should have had the fruit of the spirit thrown at them in some way. It's love, joy, peace, patience. Can, are those things the fruit of the ways that we are having conversations in this church? And if not, we're called to look at it. We're supposed to be able to judge a tree by its fruit. So we see that in the Old Testament, there was, a, there was a prophet. And in the New Testament, we have a gift of prophecy, which means you have the Holy Spirit right now. Waking things up in you, inconvenient things in you, drawing you, pulling you, challenging you, correcting you, encouraging you. It says that the Spirit can can do all of that in this room where some of you bring a week into this room that was just complicated, and you're just here, and you're like, I don't want to think about another thing, so just get past whatever sermon you want to talk because I want donuts. And if that's you, that's fine. But the Holy Spirit can, can meet you in that place too. I genuinely think that, 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 might, that people who are in church, and this has happened to me more than I would probably want to admit, but that just fall asleep, I actually think like maybe that person needed rest badly. And the Holy Spirit was attending to that person right in that place. And that no other place in their life would allow them the safety and comfort of a place to come take a nap in church. <laughs> like, maybe that's me just trying to, to justify how bad my sermon was. And I'm just like, yeah, the Holy Spirit's doing work with that person. Um, but we get to choose how we interpret our experiences with each other. I can choose to be upset with that or I can choose to believe that the Spirit's at work in that. And I think that that's the way that the Spirit can interact with each of us differently without having to make us all speak the same language. There's a garden order and a fall order. And I want to talk about this too because we see that in Babel, there was an order. There was an orderliness that allowed them to make bricks to build a big temple to build up something huge for themselves. But the garden order, the way that things were made and made beautiful, have a lot more terms like God walked with Adam. They were talking to each other. They were interacting. But there was a way of order in which it was re 
relational. It appreciated the, the act that God was not the same kind of thing as Adam, and yet they walked together. And I think that what we see is that in um, the creation story, it talks about the Spirit hovering over the waters. Waters in that story were to convey chaos, that things were chaotic. And so God created and separated, and he said that the waters will go up to that point and no more. He saw that the Spirit was hovering over the chaos, and so he ordered it. And what we see in Pentecost is not a homogenizing of everything, not to make everything the same, not to create order through creating sameness, but to create unity through a shared conviction of being drawn to the flame. And I know that the way that that's played out um, for so many people, because they hear the Holy Spirit, and I've, I think in myself, like, how are we meant to to take this idea of the Holy Spirit in the church now because um, there are people who are, they lean really heavily on their private faith life and holiness and truth and you, and you talk to them and, and they, they are very concerned with how much their personal relationship with Christ informs them. So it's the private faith versus public faith. And I was here yesterday, and we were breaking down the stage, and I got really in my head because I was trying to find a piece of wood that I was making a table for uh, our garage, and I was like, okay, I was trying to find, like, the perfect piece of wood. And so as we're breaking the stage apart, I'm, I'm trying to, like, piece out, like, which would be the, the healthiest piece of wood or anything like that. And the whole time that I'm in my head, Mike Lothamer, is he in the room, was actually doing the work. Like, he was breaking the stage down, and I'm sitting there trying to, like, parse out, and I'm getting lost in my own thoughts, trying to think, like, okay, if I cut this piece, it'll be really good here. And the whole time, I'm like, and after I snapped out of it, I'm he's, like, breaking a sweat, like, crowbarring the stage, like, doing the work, and I'm like, oh, yeah, we're here to do something. Like, I'm not supposed to just get lost in my own thoughts, and that's kind of in our faith life too, the same critique happens all the time, that there's a person who gets lost in just trying to like process and think and, and analyze everything, then there's out there people who are doing the work, who are actually trying to live out their faith, to do something about it. And the reality is that in the spirit, that as we are drawn to that singular flame, that singular point, we see that both of those things matter, a thoughtfulness an internal life will actually create the support underneath all of this activity that the public faith is meant to have. Because without that internal life, it becomes an ideology. It becomes activism. It becomes politics. It becomes anything. And it might look great, but it carries with it some fruit of things like animosity and anger, bitterness, without being supported from that internal life. And on the other side, if a person shuns the public aspect of their faith and it becomes privatized, um, it can lead to 
ideology. It can lead to intellectualizing everything. And it can really hurt people also. So how can we move to a moving flame? Because I think what we see here is that God is calling us on all sides not to homogenize your convictions, not to change your language, but that as we move towards Christ, that it's the shared process and posture where we have to have an agreement. That is where agreement is important. Like, are we all moving to, to Christ together? I want to bring up a graphic um, that I made about centered sets. Um, I'm not sure if any of you have heard this terminology before, and I also can't say that I know that if um, all of the places that this kind of thinking lives, other than to say that I'm way more compelled, and I see in the text on the right where it is our shared movement towards Christ which draws us and makes our community. On the left, what you'll see is that... um, we create boundaries. And even from within that boundary, if we say, oh, it's okay to have diversity, you'll see that those colors are keeping the others side out. <laughs> that we actually will protect and we'll create a boundary over here and we'll say, you can't come in that way. You have to come in through the back door. You have to sneak in somehow. That boundary often is, is what will, will keep us apart. Um, and there's a lot of concern that I sense from people of like, oh, does that mean that, that everything counts or that everything that everybody's in? And my personal answer is no. Because as you see, even in the one on the right, I think I included one, uh, maybe I didn't, but that there are that there are people who, who are close that once they change their, their posture and once they start to move away from that conviction of moving towards the central person and convictions that we see in s- s- Scripture and in the life of Jesus Christ, that the thing that draws us, that unites us, that makes us different from the tribalism that exists everywhere is the shared commitment to move to the middle. Not the middle of, a, of two positions of an argument, moving to Christ. Because if it's trying to move to the middle of two points of an argument, then it becomes a who's winning. And we're starting to play the exact same thing that, that we are trying to move away from all the time. Trying to move towards Jesus. And we see here at Pentecost that the Spirit is powerful enough to say that even as you speak your own language, that the Spirit can translate and help it to be understood and that the Spirit of God, which raised Christ from the dead, rests in all of us. So I want to bring up some questions that I think as we try to learn what this means and how to do this, how do we actually put this into practice? How do we actually try to... gauge what the Spirit might be up to, is that as you are with other people who maybe speak a different language than you, a different political language than you, a different history than you, 
a different faith background than you. Asking better questions sometimes is a good place to start. Like, what is meaningful in your language? What does this word mean to you? And then two questions that I ask people a lot is, what breaks your heart and what breaks your heart open? Because what I've learned is that as I've sat with people that speak different languages than I do, is if I get to know what breaks their heart and what breaks their heart open, I understand a little bit more, and I'm able to approach something with a bit more compassion. And it helps me translate. It helps me choose to believe better things about each other. And that's a tough thing. But the church, if it's not doing that, then it's not doing anything differently than anyone else. So I want to take a moment in prayer. Um, We're just going to do a quick five-minute electio, and then I'm going to set up communion on a Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read this three times through. The first time, just kind of hear it. Let the words wash over you. You don't have to try to think too hard about it. Um, And then for the times after that, I want you to pay attention. If a word pops out at you that you are really compelled by, I want you to think of the entire text in light of that word. So, if you'll close your eyes, I will read from Ephesians chapter 4. This is verses 3 through 5. It says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Just make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. In this last time as I read, ask yourself, Lord, how would you have me live more into that? Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And so I hope that... um, LBCF can truly become a place where we don't just acknowledge in how we talk about the fact that the Holy Spirit rests on each of you, but we have a lot of work to do to make sure that our community is a place where we draw that out of each other. 
We have a lot of work. And that's not because if is in a, a bad place. I think it's the conversation we need to be having. How do we actually draw the spirit which is awakening things in each other, draw that out and make room for that. And so as we close in worship now, um, we are reintroducing something that was a part of LBTF yeah, since I started to come that was really helpful. Um, and especially for the week of having the prayer of confession and repentance, this is something where if you've taken communion for your whole life, you may have never had somebody explain the bitterness of sin and death. And so before you take your communion, what this is meant to signify is as you eat it, if you like the taste of parsley, it might not do the trick for you. It's, mes- it's meant to be bitter herbs, that as you eat it, you recognize the bitterness of sin and death, and then you come over here, and you will receive your communion, and um, that is where Christ paid for all of that. He, he demonstrated a broken life in a way that we can participate in and take into ourself, and so I'm going to close this in prayer, and then we will have some songs uh, worship. We'll also have the prayer team come up. And so if you would like prayer, um, I encourage you to come up and the communion will be at your own pace. And so I encourage you to come up and do that as well. So let's pray. Lord, can we make space in our life where we put on pause all of the conclusions about, about, about you, about ourselves, all of the judgments that we have in place and make room for your spirit to, to dwell, to direct us. Lord, can you show us how to be drawn to you in a shared way that is beautiful, that is diverse, that is a mosaic, Lord, that you can handle all of that and show us how to do that faithfully. Show us what that looks like. Help us to see the fruit of that spirit in our lives. Would LBCF be a place where where we are so con- committed to that place, that flame, that that way in which you pour out your spirit on your church because we need it desperately. Your church needs your spirit to be poured out desperately. Pour your spirit out. And all of the inconvenient things that come, Lord, would you help us to be okay with that? Help us to be okay with all of the inconvenient things that come up as you pour out your spirit. Help us to seek your face truly. In your name, amen. 